0: Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Commercial Relocation Happy Hour. I am one of your hosts, Rob Clark, and with us, as always, Ed Katz. Ed, how you doing? Hello, everyone. Ed, we have a a really awesome guest today, and I'm excited to have him on and and get this conversation going. I mean, I'm I'm very excited. I don't know how you feel.
1: We really do. We hit... We hit this one out of the ballpark.
0: You know Vince, and and uh, this is Vince Burano, who is is joining us. And, and Vince, did I say your name right? Burano? You did, thank you. Yes. Uh, let me tell you a little bit about Vince. Vince has been the vice president of sales for the commercial division of JK Moving for more than six years. And, you know, from barely being a blimp on the radar in that D.C. area, that Baltimore area, uh, their office moving revenue has grown tremendously over the past 20 years. And Ed, if you look back to 1999 they were doing just over 300,000 a year. And then they took some guy's seminar, I don't know who it was. They started, you know, implementing these practices and procedures that they thought would make them better and turns out now they're the number one mover in DC doing millions in the commercial sandbox. How about that?
1: There's the commercial everyone. Yeah. They they were what they took their first Iomi International Office Moving Institute. Office Moving Seminar back in 1999. Isn't and that's that amazing? True. So a little yeah. bit more
0: about Vince. His reputation in the industry uh, is that he brings the best out in people he manages by focusing on their personal and professional development. We know how important that is. Uh, he's an avid reader. He strongly believes in continuous training, learning, and leadership development. I mean, Vince has been in sales management for about 30 years. Um, with experiencing uh, selling both products and services to businesses and to the government. Uh, Vince's education, he has a bachelor's in philosophy from the Catholic University of America and an MBA from George Washington University. Man, sounds like we have quite a guest today, Ed.
1: I know. What the heck is he doing in the moving industry, Rob?
0: Uh, I'm just happy he's given us a little time. A peons yeah. like us, he'll talk to us for a little while.
1: Yeah, I think he rolled out of bed one morning, hit his head on the floor and said, uh, I think I'm going to be a mover. But anyhow, that aside, let's Ed, jump right Vince, in. Vince, that's
0: how we welcome you to the show. How you doing?
1: Yeah, how you like that?
0: Um,
2: Rob and Ed, thank you so much for the invite. I'm uh, honored to um, be able to join you today to talk to you. Uh, thank you for the introduction. Uh, I, I just wanted to add, I think, Ed, isn't it true that we've been through your classes at nine
1: times since the Actually, first time? Uh, actually 11 times.
2: 11 times. I I apologize. Yeah, 11 times over the years. And and thank you so much for all you've done for the industry, as well as helping us to become the number one mover in uh, greater Washington, DC.
1: I would take that one step further. If you look at what you've been doing, you're the number one office mover in the world. No one has your depth, your Everything that you have. But anyhow. Just, I, I would in. like
0: to put it just in a little bit of perspective for people who are listening to the show and go, okay, you know, they do a lot of revenue. Okay, good for them. Just to put it in an operational sense, how many guys a day are you sending out on the streets, Vince? Approximately.
2: I would say that uh, on a given day, um, we're about at
0: 150 people. That's that's amazing. I mean, I just think that's just amazing that you guys send that many guys out. You're continuously that busy. I mean, that just tells people you're you're doing things right in that area that everybody wants to use you guys. Yeah, and the, the other
2: thing is those people are all uh, employees of JK. I think that's it's a huge or thing. Part-time.
0: Yeah, I think that's a huge thing to mention, and I know Ed, you do as well, just based on the training. Yep,
1: no subcontractors, right?
2: Yeah, no, very little. And usually in areas that we don't have a specialty to support a project for a client.
1: Amazing. Unbelievable. <clears throat> Vince, I got to ask you, with your background and your experience, and you're probably the most, the most well-read person I've ever known, what do you see as the difference between management and leadership? Could you give us some, enlighten us on the difference
2: I think that's a great question. And it's one that, um, you know, I often think about and read about. Peter Drucker um, had a great quote. He said, management is doing things right, but leadership is doing the right things. And I think there's a lot of sound logic in that. Um, In order to be an effective leader, you have to have good management skills. But being a manager doesn't mean that you're a leader leadership is much more encompassing in the sense that the first duty of a leader is to create more leaders and today there's a shortage of leadership i think across all organizations you can't have too many leaders and everybody is called to lead themselves first but also to learn how to to lead other people and um, you know we spent quite a bit of time at jk developing a culture of leadership because while you can have management which is important it's a function of the business it doesn't going to it's not going to inspire anybody to be their best you know management is about process and checking the boxes but um leadership is is much more intense in the sense that that is going to be the thing that makes people become what they only imagine they could be
0: so well, I- obviously you know that that makes me think about a lot of things that I don't know about you, but one of the things that comes up is obviously leadership is important. And I always think about, you know, maybe I'm asking a question that you don't want to share your secrets on and you don't have to, you can answer it somewhat vaguely if you would like. Um, How do you get people when you're a leader, you say they take on their own leadership. We want them to be leaders as well. And I love that. I think that's important. How do you get them to understand Kind of what their sandbox is, where where their leadership is able to reign and where the boundaries are that you can't go over these lines so that they can continue to kind of build on that confidence of being that decision maker, those leaders making. Yeah,
2: that's that's a that's a very good question. Um, I think it's one of these skill sets that can be learned. OK, uh, I, I believe that there are some people who have innate um, skills. Characteristics, personality that lends them to be more effective leaders, but the fundamentals of leadership can be learned by anybody. And one of the things, and I, and I love this author, John Maxwell. He talks about proximity. He talks about having to be close to leaders to learn from them. It's something you have to observe and participate in. So one of the things that um, you know that we do, and I and I believe in, is that you have to give people the opportunity. To grow beyond what they think is possible, and that's what also will inspire them, because everybody wants to be the best version of themselves they can be. But they, but we all need help, right? I'm sure that both of you can think back to uh, mentors that you had or people who were influential. You know, whether it was a teacher or a coach or you know a family member, um, they saw something in you that you didn't quite see in yourself, and they helped bring it out. And, and what a difference in your life that made.
1: Let me ask you a question here. And I I'm trying to relate this to my own business experience events. Could we call a supervisor who takes a crew out on a move, a leader or a manager? Would you call him a leader?
2: I think um, by strict definition, I would consider that person at first a manager. Because okay. they're going to have a to-do list and they're going to have to, you know, manage uh, uh, resources and a task. Okay. What you hope for is that they embody leadership skills so that they inspire those people to do their best work. They allow them to grow and and take pride in what they're doing. And it's that type of person who very soon doesn't have followers, but is working with other leaders where they can all you know, kind of do what they need to do without being micromanaged. And then further, they will be in a situation to teach that skill to other people. So when you're breaking apart your crew, if you have a really strong leader as a supervisor and he's working with three or four people every day and they've learned the kind of the tricks of the trade of leadership, when you bring in and make that crew bigger, they can go and grab a couple of people each and go off to their own corner of the project and know... That they're going to do excellent work without having to stand there and watch them.
1: Right. And here's why I'm asking the question. I cannot tell you how many times over the years, when I owned my moving company in Atlanta, a helper would come to me and say, Mr. Katz, I need more money. Mr. Katz, I need a raise. And I would say to them, great. We will offer you a career path an opportunity to make more money, but I can't just give you more money. But Mr. Katz, I've never been late. I show up for work. I've been working here X number of years. And I would respond, yes. And that's why you still work here. But if you want to be paid more money, I can t- do you want to be a supervisor? And here would be the answer I'll do whatever it takes to make more money. I said, let me ask you one question. If I promote you to be a supervisor, and you get paid more money, and you have to tell your fellow crew members to do things they don't want to do, what are you going to do? Well, I'm going to let them do what they want to do. And I say, that's why you can't be a manager, because a manager is personally responsible for the performance and the behavior of the crew and the employees that he manages. And if you let them do what they want to do, then everything will be out of control. So you can't That's not a career path for you, but we have other jobs, other positions in the company, but that's one you will not be able to fill if you're worried more about being liked and being popular by your fellow crew members. You got it. Yeah. Okay. Mr. Katz.
2: Right. Yeah. There's a, there's a, I think it's a great story, Ed, because there's a distinction that somebody told me many, many years ago is that, um, you can either be well-liked or well-respected. There's two different things. And I think that Colin Powell had a great quote when he said, if you're in a leadership position and you're not occasionally pissing people off, you're not doing your job. <laughs> so, um, you know, you take these little things into, <clears throat> into consideration, but um, it's very important for people to understand that um, you can be a leader without a title. I'm sure that in your company, at, you know, back in the day, there were uh, young men and women um, who were part of the crew who were leaders and they, didn't, they weren't a supervisor or a project manager or a foreman. It's just that they behaved in such a way and exhibited the, um, the, the behaviors you would want modeled by other people. And that's what's so important. You can, you can pin a title on somebody, but giving them, you know, a, a gold star on their hat doesn't make them a leader. Um, and, and you see a lot of that today where people have a title and they confuse that it is not um, that they have any sort of privilege. It's that they have a greater sense of responsibility to other people. And that, that is sometimes lacking.
0: No, I totally agree with you. And I always think about, you know, we use the term natural leader, right? You know, just people just gravitate to that person when he leads or or is doing a task and needs people to kind of join him in it. They just naturally do. They just say, hey, you know, Jimmy's doing that. Let's go help Jimmy. It's just becomes that way from the way he carries himself and and does his work and takes pride in what he's doing. And it just kind of contagious.
2: It, it is. And I think that's a great word. You know, they take pride in themselves, right? Yeah. And that they want to do a good job. And I think that's an important aspect. You know, leaders need to be of the mindset that everybody's showing up to do their best work. And as a leader, it's your responsibility to make sure that you've got an environment where you're giving them the right tools, the right education, the right resources, the right support so they can do their best work. Um, there's a lot of companies that really exhibit that. uh, And you see that every day, you know, it might be one of your favorite restaurants. It it might go to a store or, or, or have another service you're engaged with. You tend to see the people who are doing it, not because they're making 50 cents more an hour than they were last week. That's not relevant. They're doing it because they feel that they are a part of a bigger mission. And everybody wants to be both acknowledged as well as be part of something bigger than themselves, a lot of people today refer to that as the why. And you see that in younger people in particular. They're going to work, and yes, they're looking to make a certain amount of money, right? They're coming out of school or at a high school, and they need to make a certain amount of money. But if you look at them and start to talk to them about what's important, they'll certainly turn down some amount of money to work for an organization that's going to take an interest in them, that's going to help develop them, that's going to acknowledge and recognize them. That money is not everything. It's generally, from a lot of uh, third-party research, the fourth reason why people leave a company. It's yeah. not the number one reason. They usually quit because they have a very bad relationship or a poor relationship with their immediate supervisor, or leader, um, they, and 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 it's it's that that drives people away um, rather than just that you know a couple more dollars in their pocket.
1: And if you're a man, we need to be appreciated, right? Isn't that how, like, yeah. I know how my wife c- controls me. She's, she appreciates if I do something, she wants me to do.
0: <laughs> I, I'm, I'm liking <clears throat> this topic of leaders and managers. I think for a lot of people, this is uh, some great insight and insight and a little thought-provoking for them to kind to you know, think about this maybe a little bit differently when we use the term manager and leader. Uh, When we were talking just a second ago, Ed, and you brought up the great question about the crew and the supervisor and how would he be identified? And Vince, you mentioned he would be a manager. And people who are already in the commercial uh, sandbox that are listening to this podcast might go, okay, yeah, leaders are going to be more your salespeople, your, you know, people in the office, admins, you know, sales managers, whoever that might be. We're going to kind of have that definition of leader on them. Is there an example of somebody having the title of leader on the operational side? Um, Yes. And I I understand what you're saying.
2: I wouldn't rob draw a distinction. I think that you need to have leaders throughout. I agree. And I yeah. and, And I think the other important thing is, is that, again, your supervisor from a from a job function point of view is a manager in quotations, which you really aspire for them to be as a leader. And I think that, that um, you want to carry through in all parts of your organization. I was doing some reading recently, and they said one of the number one reasons why companies can't grow, they can't evolve, is they just have a shortage of leadership, whether it's in the front office or in the operations realm or, you know, in their accounting department or their sales department. They, they have employees, they have staff, but they don't have leadership. And if you're going to grow your business... And enter new lines of business and and be as successful as you can be, you clearly need to have a bench strength of of leaders. Uh, they're 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 in high demand
1: and short supply. I don't mean to blindsight you, but I'm going to ask you a question. If you don't want to answer it, it's okay. All right, all right, Vince. Sure. How specifically has your leadership contributed to the tremendous success at JK? And I know you're a humble, modest guy, but we you know, give us some nuggets here. What did you bring to the table? You've been there, what, six, more than six years. Yes. And I know that they had a corporate culture before you got there, but I also, we recognize you are a leader within the industry. How about answering that question, addressing that? Do you mind sharing some of your contributions?
2: Yeah. I'm very fortunate that I get to work with a lot of great people every day. Um, I, prior to coming to JK, I was working at a company that was, you know, a multi-billion dollar organization in, I don't know, 150 countries worldwide. And I very much felt like I was just a a cog in the machine. Um, What what working at JK provided me was the opportunity to be my best every day and have people support me wanting to make the organization even better. And you don't always find that. And um, I, I've been very fortunate. I think that um, one of the things that I was able to do to build on the positive culture that already existed was again to um, you know, work on this culture of leadership and have everybody um, to some degree participate in creating this environment where we really believe in that there's winning and learning. There's not winning and losing. Um, and that we uh, found that we are better together than we are individually. Um, I am fortunate that the sales team in particular that I, um, I lead um, is very much committed to working together. I recently had a project, believe it or not, it was for uh, more than a million dollar uh, bid response and i had six people on the sales team working together on the response. I you know we talk about sales teams they're more like a track team than they are a football team, right? You know everybody has their events and you call them a team but there's there, there's the people who run the relays versus the jumpers or you know the weight team. You know it's not quite a team like a football team where you're on the on the field together, right? And you have to work together to execute. It's different. But we're very fortunate that we have a team of people who really do trust each other, enjoy each other's company, and will will work together and, and get results that no one person could get on their own.
0: I love that answer, and I love the analogy of a. a, a, I'm, a I'm a sports guy, and c- have coached a lot of different uh, youth sports with my son, and played a lot of sports. I love that analogy uh, that you used for a track team versus a uh, a football team. You know, when I think about a football team, I always think it's 10 guys or, or whatever trying to do something to help one guy have success, score that touchdown, where the track team, you know, the relay, great example, all four have to work together to make sure the team has that success. I, I really like that analogy. That's a good one.
2: Thank
0: one, you. One thing that you, you – when you talk about leadership – and something that I see Vince in, in our industry, um, in the couple of markets I've been in, and maybe I've just, you know, not been around enough or talked to enough people, but it seems like, you know, getting a lot of younger, talented people to want to come to this industry. First, I think it flies a little bit under the radar of, you know, the possibilities of having a successful career in the relocation industry. Um, but I don't see a lot of younger talent gravitating to, uh, this industry and i think leadership is is part of that how how do you see leadership affecting you know getting and recruiting talent to this industry to your business
2: um yeah rob that's a great observation i'd say um not only for our industry but for for any business right you know uh it's one of the, the main responsibilities of, of a sales leader or any leader in a business is to recruit and attract new talent and develop the talent that, that already exists in your company. We're very fortunate. I'm just trying to think in the last year, I've hired one, you know, at least, at least I want to say uh, three people who are under 30 years old to join our organization. We have a pretty diverse team um, of of, from people who are, you know, twenty one ish, all the way up to you know about sixty in the sales organization, and that's um, about right now about about eighteen people. So in our in our our uh, sales organization, so we have a very diverse group. A couple of the people who recently joined. Um, fall into that camp that I explained about before. They were working at a company where they didn't feel there was anybody taking an interest in them, and so one of the things they were doing in interviewing a company is to try to find that fit, and that was that was most important to them. And um, you know, it's great when you start to develop a relationship and a reputation for being that sort of company. So when people are talking to other people, they're not asking questions about the dental plan, but they're saying, hey, how do you feel coming to work every day? And they start sharing their enthusiasm for the support they receive uh, and and the learning activities and the investment that the company makes in their betterment. Those things start to really resonate with people, particularly younger people um and that's powerful because that's more than you know anything you could do to try to convince somebody. I never want to convince somebody to join our team, but I do encourage them to talk to other people in our organization and let them hear from them unfiltered how do they feel? And um you know when they when they come back to you after, you know, having some of that exposure or better yet a couple of people um Joined our company because a friend worked there, and they they said I had one person tell me all he does is brag about it. So I want to come work here. <laughs> you know those things you can't, uh, you almost can't buy the advertising. Rob, yeah, I was gonna say, it, you no, know what I mean. No bigger compliment than that. Absolutely, um, and that's something you have to watch all the time. You know, um, <laughs> not to quote Peter Drucker again, but he has a great thing about you know. Uh, cultural elite strategy for breakfast and um, your culture is the most important thing as a leader that you're cultivating in your organization. If you get the culture right, you don't need as many rules. You don't need as much oversight. You don't need, um, you know, to, to, to always be there um, to ensure that things are going to go well. When you've got the right culture, you've got people who are empowered who understand how to make good decisions about, the company as well as the client, how to balance those factors. And, and you can be a much more successful organization because if you've only got, you know, one big brain walking around and doing everything, you're limited by what that person can do as compared to having a whole team of people who can um, grow the business.
0: You're you know, you're, you're dropping right. some great things though. I love that quote, culture will eat strategy for breakfast. I mean, I'm gonna use that. I'm gonna steal it if you don't <laughs> care. That's awesome. Vince,
1: I'm, I'm sure you're aware of this situation. But one of your former salespeople who was at JK under your training and motivation and leadership, he was there for six years. He left. So you create an embryonic, if there's such a word, atmosphere. You hatch, he hatched, moved to Phoenix and started up the, a commercial division of a, uh, a moving company that was 100% household goods. After his first year of being there, he hit the ground running. He hit the ground running. He did over a million dollars in local office moving revenue the first year. He's still there. But that's, again, coming from an environment where you had, I know, a tremendous, tremendous positive impact on his self-esteem, self-respect, self-confidence. And he wasn't afraid of failing and that came from in part from working for you you know who i'm referring to in fact i'm going to mention jim stevens name because yep. he's one of my clients <laughs> he talks about jk all the time and you and i know he, he he misses the family but he you know you you helped him go out and create something on his own there's a perfect example of it yeah, I, I'm very
2: proud of Jim Stevens. Uh, he's done an excellent job. And just to build on you know, the success that he brought to that organization, he recently hired a young man, uh, Ethan Delahanty, who played baseball with my son growing up, did an internship at JK, decided after college that he wasn't going to go into, I don't know, some type of analytics that he wanted to go into sales. And um, he went went out and he worked for a local junk removal company. And he since got recruited by Jim Stevens to move to Phoenix to open up um, their division of, uh, you know, kind of a a junk removal that tie into the commercial and residential. So now I have double the reasons to go out and uh, visit them in Phoenix uh, because I've got uh, two people. And it's just great stuff. And to your point, you know, it's um, it's really humbling when you're involved in a leadership role, um, the impact that you can have, good or bad, on, in other people's lives. And so it's a huge responsibility. You know, we've been talking about leadership, um, you know, kind of theory. but But really in practice, it's a very personal thing. And, and I and I oftentimes talk to people where they say, well, you know, it's business is not personal. I'm like, no, it's personal because you're dealing with people. And so if you don't keep that in mind, um, you, you'll miss the point. Right. You'll, you'll miss the, the real impact that you either could have or should have um, working with other people.
0: Yeah, I think people listening to this are, are absolutely going to take away that, you know, people are the most important piece of the puzzle to JK's success. Um it's it's not any kind of rules or, you know, things that you guys put in place. It's actually, you know, the people and and allowing them to, like you said early on, reach the potential that you see in them that they may not see yet. And I think that's a great thing. And I think the other thing is if people have been paying attention, I really love that, you know, I'm listening, Vince, and and you absolutely believe what you are saying because every time you mention your team, you have not said manage, you always say lead. And I think that's uh, I mean, it's just proof that you practice what you preach. I mean, it's just awesome.
2: Yeah. I appreciate that. I will tell you um, that it hasn't always been that way. You know, when I first went into management to use that word, I had just turned 27 years old and I moved from New York down to Virginia and I was in a different industry And I look back on on how I behaved at times, and what a jackass I was. I will tell you, I mean, if I could go back in time, I'd kick myself. Um, But the reason I bring that up is not to call attention to myself. It's simply to say that we can all get better. And I think the first thing you have to do is just do a real self-assessment and decide whatever it is or whatever point you are in your leadership journey if you just want to get better you know to seek out some other people get close to them see what they're doing you know um, read about it talk to other people listen to podcasts uh, everybody can improve again it's like any any other skill it can be taught and it can be learned as long as you commit to it
1: you know i i'm not bragging here i'm just confessing i have taught over the years, more than 100 in-person IOMI office moving seminars. And you get to see a lot of things. I've, I've traveled all over the United States, all over Canada, and all over the UK teaching my in-person seminar. And I witnessed, I have really witnessed firsthand substandard leadership. And one of the things I, I noticed, I'm not saying there's a direct relationship, but before I I ask you a question, I am thinking back now and 99% of the time when I taught the in-person seminar, the owner or the leader, whatever you want to call a general manager, would attend the training, would attend the three-day seminar. Every so often, that leader did not attend And what I saw was when there was nobody there who was a leader, the listeners, the audience, my students would bob their heads for three days and smile. But I think when I left, very few of them adopted or implemented much of what I taught or preached. But getting back to a leader, a leader attended the three-day seminar whether he or she needed it or not. And I think that was a, you know, lead by example, you know, so my question to you is this, Vince, what do you think happens to a team when they're being led by a substandard leader? What, what happens to the company? Can you reflect on that?
2: Yes. And, and I think that without exaggerating anything that's bad or negative, can happen. Uh, to me, that's how impactful the wrong leader can be in an organization. Um, they, can, they can damage culture or not promote the right type of culture. They can certainly attack morale. Um, they can foster poor decision-making, um, lack of focus, lack of development. They can ruin customer experience. Mm -hmm. You know, know, what kind of customer experience can you possibly have if the people who work for you are miserable? What kind of interaction are they having with your clients? Um, And I think in the end, it'll it'll hurt your growth and profitability uh, in in more ways than you can count. You know, it's funny that you mentioned that um, there were times that the leader, you know, did not stay for the training. And I recently was reading a book and it, and it really occurred to me, this is pretty powerful. As a leader, you're always on stage, but you don't really understand that. But when you walk down the hall, whether you're upbeat and positive or you are got your head down and you're sulking, everybody else is looking to you for clues as to what's going on. And that's what I mean that you're on stage. It's not that you're more important. It's just that everybody else is observing you. And you really need to be aware of that because your impact, even if you're not trying to, um, you know, bring people up or down, the very fact that you have, you don't manage your own uh, behavior, your own mood, you, you have a tremendous influence on other people. And you really need to be aware of that. If that person had been in the room for those three days, the message they would be sending is that this is very important. We're committed to this and I expect you to do it. By the person coming in and then leaving the room for three days said, I have more important stuff, you know, with all due respect that I have more important stuff to do. This is only marginally important. Mm -hmm. And and I think that's unfortunate. You know, you got to be really, you really have to be careful what kind of message you send, especially when you're not talking. Remember, it's not what you say. It's what you tolerate um, that really becomes the standard. How
0: about that answer, Ed?
1: Oh, that's pretty powerful. Yes,
0: it is. Uh, <laughs> talking about leadership and talking about, you know, Ed having some, has seen some substandard leadership in our industry, putting you on the spot again, Vince, as a whole in our, our industry, the moving industry, commercial relocation, how do you think the industry does uh, when it comes to leadership? Is that putting you on the spot? <laughs> a little bit. Um
2: you know, I've been fortunate. I've had the experience to work with um, some organizations and meeting owners across the country, as well as other um, uh, maybe sales leaders like me who, who are not an owner, who, who are an employee. And I will tell you, it's a real mixed bag. And and I go back not to, to dodge the question, but. I think of this in terms of, like many other industries, you're you're often really impressed when you meet somebody who's just great. Um, there, there's some people um, from organizations that, that I've had the pleasure to interface with, whether it's a, uh, uh, you know, a Move Solutions or Flood Brothers in Atlanta or Coravan. Uh, these are just uh, you, you meet some of the some of the best people, quite frankly, whether it's owners whether it's managers or general managers, um, they're just fantastic people. Um, and then you have other people, right? Without naming names. And you kind of just sit there and you scratch your head and then you go, I'm glad I don't work here. Uh, and I, and I, you know, I don't know what else you can really say, right? And, and in the end, I, I kind of think what, what it must be like for some of those people that work there who want to do well, who want to put forth their best effort. And, and they work for someone who doesn't appreciate them, doesn't take an interest in them. And, um, you know, I guess nicely puts a knucklehead, but there's knuckleheads out there. There's no rule that we can't have any. So, um, you know,
0: they're bound to be a few. Wow. <laughs> I'll tell you what, Ed, I am taking away some good information after this conversation today. I, mean, I, so, agree,
1: with you. I agree. I agree. I agree.
0: Yeah. Vance really appreciate you coming on and just kind of sharing your thoughts on leadership and management and the difference and kind of your journey and how you've gotten to where you are at JK. I mean, really appreciate the conversation. Well, again, thank you both. Uh, it was very enjoyable.
2: It's uh, a real privilege to be invited on. Um, and to thank you both again. I, I really do appreciate the opportunity. Absolutely. Ed, any final words?
1: Goodbye, listeners. I'm looking forward to our next podcast.
0: Thanks, everybody, for listening to this episode of the Commercial Relocation Happy Hour. And until our next episode, go sell another move.